Now, today we're going to do a standalone message about something really big that's going to happen in the United States this week. Does anybody know what's happening in the United States? We got an election. Somebody in the first service said uh, they were going to lunch this week. That was the big thing that they were really excited about. So you are correct that we have an election coming. And uh, when it comes to politics, when it comes especially to presidential elections, we all seem to fall in one of three categories. There are those of us who love politics. There's some who hate politics. And then there's others who are still in denial about politics. All right, so if you're a part of the group that loves politics, you're, you're probably the one who pops popcorn when a debate is going on and you're eating popcorn and cheering for your candidate, you're booing the other candidate, you're probably throwing popcorn at the TV when they're talking. Anybody here like that? Anybody love politics? All right, we, there's a few. You know, I thought that would have been a rowdier crowd, you know, that would have said, yes, we're here and we're vocal. Then we've got the, the group that kind of hates politics and uh, there's, there's several different groups in this group and there's kind of the group that says, you know what, I dread politics because I'm always afraid that that other candidate is gonna get in and if they get in, they're just gonna mess everything up and I'm gonna have to live with that for four years and so th this group kind of lives on edge. They're kind of having a panic attack every day and Tuesday will be the biggest panic attack. Maybe it's Wednesday or maybe it'll be a month later when we actually figure out who our president's gonna be. So those people kind of live on edge all the time. And then there are people in denial. And if you're in denial, I want to tell you, we have a presidential election that happens every four years and you should be a part of it. Well, there are some that live in denial. Like I just don't want to even acknowledge it. I don't want to vote. I don't want to know anything about it. I just want to go about my life and do my thing. So regardless of what category you fall into, we have an election coming up and that election is going to impact us going to impact our lives, whoever gets elected. So today we're going to break all the rules. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about religion. And you know that you're never supposed to do that, right? You know, when you gather with family or friends, you're never supposed to talk about politics. You're never supposed to talk about faith issues because everybody gets on edge. Everybody gets angry. But today we're breaking the rules. And I'm going to break an even bigger rule as we start by telling you who I think you should vote for if you haven't already voted. That's a big risk. Pastors aren't supposed to do that. We could lose our tax exemption status by doing that. But I think this is a big enough election. But I think you should know how I feel. So you ready? Yeah. Well, uh, one's ready, one's not. And, you know, someone over here is undecided. So, okay, so I think on Tuesday, if you have not voted yet, I think you should vote for Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, I think you should vote for Jesus. Yeah. The reality is Jesus is the only one who can see us through the chaos that we are in right now, who can help clean up the mess that we have created. Jesus is the only one who can do that. And wouldn't it be fantastic if all of us could write Jesus on our ballot and then Wednesday, Jesus steps out of that first Thessalonians four cloud and says, you know what? The father had decided another date, but because you wrote my name on the ballot, enough of you did. I'm here to be your king. That would be fantastic. Anybody uh, think you'd like that? Ah, that would be amazing. But the interesting thing is we're not the first group of people to want that. There's another group of people that wanted that and it didn't turn out as they expected when they wanted Jesus to be their king. That's the nation of Israel. So the Jews 
rejected Jesus, but at one point, they wanted Jesus to be their king. And we're going to learn about that today. And as we learn about that, we're going to go back about 3,000 years, about 3,500 years specifically, uh, to when the nation of Israel was freed from slavery to the Egyptians. Uh, God used Moses to do that and led them towards the promised land. They took a detour, took a little bit longer to get to the promised land than they were expecting. They finally got to the promised land. And God said, listen, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to protect you, guide you. And he helped them defeat the other nations that were living in that promised land. And so they became a world power. And I don't think that we fully grasp this. I don't, if you don't know a whole lot of Jewish history, if you don't know um, kind of how they developed as a nation from that experience, you may not understand this, but they were a world power at one point. You think about the power the United States has? Israel had that, respected by every nation around them, feared by most nations around them. So they loved being a world power, but they continually rejected God as their king and said, yeah, we don't really want to do what you want us to do. We're going to do our own thing. So eventually God said, I'm going to allow other kingdoms to come along and defeat you in battle. So King Nebuchadnezzar came along, led the Babylonians, defeated them in battle. Persians came along, the Greeks came along, the Romans came along. So by the time Jesus was born and lived his life here in this earth, the Jews lived under Roman oppression. And they were sick and tired of following everybody else's rules and living under that. They longed for the good old days. They wanted to go back to the days that they were a world power. So that's what they were expecting when Jesus came along. They were actually looking for a leader that would help them overthrow the Roman government. So with that backdrop, we're going to learn how this story unfolds in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 tells us about a day that Jesus had in ministry with his disciples. He had thousands of people gathered around them. Uh, they were so excited because Jesus was healing hundreds of people, and they loved that. You know, people that had been sick all their lives were finding healing, and uh, it was an amazing experience for them. And then Jesus topped it off at the end of the day, and he fed it's, the scripture says 5,000 people, but it easily could have been 10, 15, 20,000 people in, in that moment with five loaves of bread and two fish. So a huge miracle that Jesus performed in that moment. And in John chapter 6, verse 14, it says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet that we have been expecting. And when Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king, he stepped up to accept their nomination as president of the United States of Israel. That's not what that verse says. Verse 15 says he slipped away by himself. I want you to listen to the conversation that Jesus had with those people the next day. When they found him, in verse 26, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man, referring to himself, can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, well, we want to perform God's works too, so what should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. If you want to know what God wants you to do, I think Jesus summarizes it for all of us. This is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. 
And we'll get back to that in just a minute. They answered in verse 30. Well, show us a miraculous sign, Jesus. If you want us to believe in you, what can you do? So remember, he has healed hundreds of people. He has fed thousands of people, and they're not impressed yet. And so they're saying, Jesus, if, if you want to secure our vote, we need you to do another miracle for us. What else can you do? And they continue on in verse 31 saying, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus, what can you do? Jesus said in verse 32, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And their answer kind of indicates that they're not on the same page with Jesus. So if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody where you know, like, we're not on the same page. Like, we're maybe in the same chapter. We might be in the same book. Like, we're kind of talking about the same subject, but we're not talking about the same thing. That's what's happening right here. So they say, sir, give us that bread every day. Like, we just had this amazing meal you provided. We would love that every day. Can you do that every day for us, Jesus? Jesus replied in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Now, here's where many of the Jews listening to Jesus were starting to have a really hard time with what he was saying. Jesus was claiming to be God by making himself equal with God by calling God the Father, God his Father. So when he did that, they started arguing with each other, they were like, I can't believe he's saying this. This is blasphemous. And then Jesus turns up the heat in the conversation even more. In verse 53, he says, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Now, verse 66 says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And I say, do you think? Like, do you think that people are going to turn away from Jesus in that moment when he has this creepy vampire Halloween conversation? And I wonder what we would do. And I wonder what we would do with, when we're there listening to Jesus, loving what he's doing, and all of a sudden, he has this really challenging conversation. I think you and I would be tempted to walk away from him as well. 
Imagine what was going on in the minds of Jesus' closest disciples, his 12 disciples. So these are the guys who'd given up everything to follow him. They've left their businesses. Many of them left their families and they're they're following him and and they're hoping this is the guy who's gonna overthrow the Roman government and then maybe put them in positions of power within that government. And then Jesus goes crazy with his conversation. I can just see Peter as his campaign manager, like holding his hand, his head in his hands, just turning to the other disciples saying like he went off script. Uh, like quick, like go get somebody to heal so that maybe these people will forget what he just said. This is craziness. But the people couldn't forget what Jesus said. So they put their vote for Jesus signs down and they walked away from him. We got to ask, why would he do that? You know, why would Jesus refuse to be their king? I mean, isn't that the reason he came? Why would he say something so crazy that he had to know people were going to walk away from him. Why would he do that? I think he did it for several reasons. And the first is this. I think Jesus was trying to communicate to them and to us, listen, I didn't come to be your puppet. I didn't come to be your earthly king. I came to be your eternal king. I didn't come to take you back to the good old days. I came to take you to some brand new days. And the way I'm going to do that is in a way that's going to shock you. You're never going to believe it because I'm going to die on your behalf. I'm going to pay your sin debt so you can have eternal life. I think Jesus was communicating, listen, I didn't come to overthrow the Roman government. I didn't come to overthrow that empire. I came to overthrow Satan's empire. And my death, my burial, and my resurrection will make that possible. And again, they didn't really understand all that was happening in that moment as Jesus was communicating that. But again, I think Jesus was saying, I didn't come to be your puppet. I came to set up my kingdom on this earth and I'm gonna start it by dying so that you can have eternal life. The second thing I think Jesus was doing in that moment was he was shaking the fence. There were a whole lot of people that loved being around Jesus because of what he was doing. They loved the miracles. There were a lot of fans of Jesus, very few followers of Jesus. So there was a bunch of people wearing vote for Jesus t-shirts and they had Jesus bobbleheads on their wagons. I mean, they were loving Jesus. And so Jesus says, listen, I'm going to find out if you're really my follower or not. I'm going to engage a conversation that's symbolic that you won't understand. It ties to the miracle I just performed. You're not going to get it now, but I want to know who's really going to follow me. I think that's why Jesus turned to his disciples in verse 67 and he said, are you also going to leave me? He said that to his 12 disciples. And so Peter, the outspoken disciple, says, Lord, to whom would we go? And, And I wonder if in this conversation, in this statement, Jesus knows what's going on in in Peter's mind and the other disciples' minds. And and I wonder if they're kind of communicating, like, we don't get it. Like, we don't understand. We had this great momentum. It was amazing to watch. And then all of a sudden, like, you walk away from being our king. And then you make these weird statements. Like, we don't get it. But we still trust you. Jesus, you have the words that give eternal life. We believe. And we know that you are the Holy One 
of God. I think that's an amazing answer in the midst of confusion. I think it leads us to our bottom line thought for today. And this is such a big thought, such a big bottom line idea that we need to hold on to. I think you need to get your phone out, take some pictures of this, maybe write it down, maybe get prepared during the rest of the service, design what this would look like if you got a tattoo of it. Okay. Here's our bottom line thought. We can trust God even if we don't understand what he's doing. It really is possible to trust God even if we don't understand what he's doing. And we struggle with this statement. We like to trust God when we know exactly what he's doing or when he does exactly what we want. But sometimes God doesn't do what we want. And so the truth that we need to hold on to, the truth that we need to embed into our lives is that we can trust him even if, even when we don't understand what he's doing. Here's how this applies to our presidential election. Sometimes we put all of our hopes into our political candidate or or that political party, and we think that that candidate or that party is going to take us back to the good old days or bring in some brand new days, and we put our hopes in the future for what happens on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we either wake up so excited because our candidate got in or we wake up looking for the church uh, counseling phone number because we're in such despair. Like how in the world are we gonna survive another four years or uh, these next four years? How is that gonna be possible? So I wanna ask you this morning who your trust is in right now for our future. Is it in Trump? Is it in Biden? Or is it in Jesus? I know this is a shocker, but Trump is not our savior. Biden is not our savior. Jesus is our savior. And he died so we can have eternal life. He is in complete control of what happens in our lives, in our nation, in our world. He's in complete control. We can trust him even when or even if we don't understand what he's doing. Listen to what the Old Testament prophet Daniel told the most powerful king in the world at that time. This is King Nebuchadnezzar that he's speaking to, the king of Babylon that defeated Israel in battle. So he, Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4.25, he said this, the most high, meaning God himself, rules over the kingdoms of the world and he gives them to anyone he chooses. The Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world, and he gives them to anyone he chooses. And what that means for us is this week, if you haven't voted already, we'll go out and vote, and then on Wednesday, God will choose who he wants to be our next president. It may be somebody you voted for. It may not be somebody you voted for, but either way, We can wake up on Wednesday or whenever we find out that our next president is elected, we can wake up trusting God, knowing that he is in complete control. So will you trust God for that? Good. Will more of you trust God for that? Will all of us trust God for that? Sorry, trying to reel you in here, making sure you're still awake. (laughs) You're still paying attention. 
So again, I truly believe that we can trust God. We can thank God for this next candidate, whoever it may be, because God has chosen. God will choose who our next candidate will be. So here's what I think we should do this week. The first thing is this. I think we should vote. I'm pretty passionate about that. I'm pretty passionate about us engaging the political system that we have here in the United States. And I know people disagree with me on that, and that's really okay. We can agree to disagree if we disagree on that. But God says in scripture that we should vote for leaders who will most align with his truth and uh, most follow his ways. So I think we have a Christian responsibility to vote. Yeah, I want you to think about the, the thousands of lives that have been lost fighting for the freedoms that we have and the rights that we have to vote. And I, I think we should look at, at these rights more as privileges, like it is a privilege. You know how many countries around the world that don't have that privilege? We have a privilege to cast a vote that can influence an election. And I know that there are some people who say, well, listen, if God's gonna choose, my vote doesn't matter. If God knows who's gonna be elected, my vote's really not all that important. But, but I think that's wrong thinking You know, that's kind of like saying, you know, God knows who's going to put their faith in him, so I don't really have to share my faith. That's not true. Does God know who's going to put their faith in him? Absolutely. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. So he knows that. Does scripture tell us that we should share our faith with other people? Absolutely. So I think in the context of voting, it means we should vote. And we can trust that God is going to put the right person in office, but we should exercise our privilege of voting. The second thing I think we should do, number one is we should vote. Number two, we should vote Christian values. If you're a Christ follower, I I truly believe that when you cast a vote, you should vote for the candidate that most aligns with God's principles found in scripture. And I understand it can be very difficult at times to figure that out. I know that. I know that it can be hard sometimes. We're like, ah, it seems like this person aligns with God this, in these areas and, and this person aligns with God in these areas. But I actually think that we can dig deeper and learn some things about that. I think you can actually look at each party's platform. And I think that you can find some things that are there or not there when it comes to uh, God's values found in scripture. So I think as Christ followers, we should vote issues of life, issues of family, and issues of faith. And so I think we should vote. And I think we should vote Christian values. And I don't think that we can call ourselves Christ followers and not think that our our faith should impact our voting. And too often, we try to separate these things. And we have these weird conversations like, well, I have my faith on Sunday, and the rest of the week, I do all this other stuff that's not impacted by my faith. And I say, if you're a Christ follower and that's how you live, I wonder the kind of faith that you have. We should never say that. Our faith should impact every part of our lives. Should it impact our politics as well? Absolutely it should, if we're followers of Jesus. So I think we should vote. I think we should vote Christian values. And number three, I think we should pray for our next president. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. 
This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So on Wednesday, or whenever we find out who our next president is, we can actually be thankful that God has chosen whom God wants to lead our nation. Maybe somebody we didn't vote for, maybe somebody we did vote for, but we can thank God for them and we can pray for them. And if the candidate that you didn't vote for gets in, your prayer might sound like this. God, I, I thank you for President Trump, Trump, you might not even be able to say their name, or President Biden, you may struggle to say their name in your prayer, but you can still pray for them as they do one of the toughest jobs in our world. And you may not know this about King Nebuchadnezzar, but the really cool ending of his story is that God got a hold of his heart. So God got a hold of a pagan king's heart who led a pagan nation, who worshiped pagan gods. And at the end of King Nebuchadnezzar's life, he said, there's only one true God, and that is the most high. And he became a God follower. So God can get a hold of anybody's heart. So we need to pray for our next president, whoever that is, that God will guide them in how they lead. And God will surround them with people who will point them towards his truth. We actually have a great opportunity for us to pray together as a faith-based organization and the organizations in our community that are faith-based and inviting other people to participate in this as well. We have an event coming up on November 14th called Prayer Unites. And it's at 10 o'clock on that Saturday. We're going to meet at the Flagler County Courthouse and we're going to gather together. This is sponsored by local churches. We're going to gather together and pray for our next president. Now, some of you might be wondering, why in the world were we meeting on November 14th instead of November 2nd? Well, after the election, we're going to need a lot of prayer for our nation. There's going to be a lot of unrest, possibly. And so we need to pray for our nation. So I invite you to come and be a part of that. We're going to have prayer. We're going to have some singing, um, some scripture. And it'll be an opportunity for us in Flagler County to come together and pray for our nation, pray for our world, and pray for our next president. I hope you'll be a part of that with us. Here's the final thing that I think that we should do if you haven't already done this. It's going back to what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 29. He said, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So do you believe in Jesus? Have you made him your Lord and Savior? If you have, he is your eternal king, and one day he will invite you into his eternal kingdom. That is going to be an exciting day. If you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you can make that decision today. It's not too late to make that decision. You can make it right now. You can cast your vote for Jesus and invite him into your heart so that he'll be your eternal king. And as we close in prayer today, I'm going to guide you and how to make that decision. I'm going to talk to several different groups of people as we pray. And then our worship team is going to close us out in a final song. So if you would, let's bow our heads together and let's pray. As we begin, I'm, I'm curious to know if there's anybody here willing to say, you know what, like, I have been anxious about this election. I've been nervous about the future of our country, the future of our world. 
And if you found yourself with a lot of anxiety lately, would you just raise your hand real quick? Just so there's a number of people. Yeah, hands all over. Yeah, so I understand that. There's a lot of us that have been in that spot. And God, we're grateful that you've reminded us today that you are in complete control and we can trust you even if we don't understand what you're doing. We can trust you like your closest disciples did. We can know that you're in charge. We can know that you're unfolding an eternal plan that we may not understand, but that's okay. We don't have to understand everything to trust you. God, you're a good God. And you've got this amazing plan that you're unfolding, and you are going to unfold this plan exactly the way that you want to unfold it. So, Lord, we trust you for that. We're going to tie ourselves back to that truth this week and beyond. Now, as we continue to pray, I'm curious if there's anybody here this morning um, that would be willing to say, you know what, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to do that. I know I need to do that. So if there's anybody here in that spot, I would just ask you to be courageous. Just hold your hand up for a second. Let, Let me know that that you need to put your faith in Jesus because you've not done that before. I see one hand in the back. Thank you for that. Anybody else? I see a hand up front. Thank you for that. There might be more people watching online that are raising their hand and saying that. So if you're in that spot, here's what I encourage you to do. You can pray this after me. You can pray this as our worship team is closing us out today. But a, a conversation with God where we invite him into our hearts goes something like this. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I believe that you are God in the flesh and you came to die so I can have eternal life. And today, November 1st, 2020, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Today, I make you my eternal king. And I commit to follow you the rest of my days. If you've just prayed that prayer, or if you pray that prayer this morning as a worship team closes us out, you'll be adopted into God's family, and he will be your eternal king. So I encourage you to keep coming to keep growing in that relationship. It's a a relationship that you will benefit not only for the rest of your life, you'll benefit for all of eternity. And as we close in prayer, God, I'm so grateful for these courageous people willing to take that step and put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, I pray for all of us as we are uh, engaging this week and beyond when it comes to politics. Again, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be on the right person. That's you not a candidate. They'll always fall short, but you'll never fall short. You'll never let us down. So Lord, our eyes always need to be on you because we can trust you even when we don't understand what you're doing. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. If you would, stand with me and let's worship together.